Okay, Brenna. Brenna, yeah. yes. I've been thinking. And Don't... I realized we may we might have the most problematic catchphrase of all time, which is the whole stay away from baby Hitler thing. Yeah. Well, Right, so I've been I I think I brainstormed a new one. <laughs> oh god, what is it? Fun fiction. Go. <laughs> Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly podcast about media, movies, television, and the people who write about them. I am one of your hosts, Scotty Moore. What up? I'm the other host, Brenna Clark. How you doing, fam? Oh, B. B, I (laughs) saw my favorite movie this week. So did I. What a coincidence. (laughs) Uh, it was, I, I don't know if you listened to the McElroy podcast, Wonderful. I have not, but I need to. But on one of the latest episodes, he was just talking about how good it is when you're watching something and halfway through you just have this experience of, oh, this is going to be one of my favorite things now. That's what I had watching Teen Titans go to the movies. I keep trying to push my love of Teen Titans go on people and... I, I want. I hope this movie makes everyone understand okay. me better as a person. <laughs> B, I did it like at the mall I went to because I went to the one in Douglasville and I went to Hot Topic beforehand because we're those kind of people that when we go to a mall, we're like, we got to go to Hot Topic. That's the first store I go to. <laughs> it's the only store I go to, B. I'll be like, Hot Topic and maybe... Maybe if they have a Brookstone, I'll go in the Brookstone. Um, well, you know, I the mall I have, I have to go into Spencer's, which is like a sad, lowbrow version of Hot yeah, Topic ex- with much more dildos. It's, it's Hot Topic <laughs> if Hot Topic smoked a lot of weed. Um, right. But I went and I was checking out and the lady was like taking a while. So me and her were just talking and she's like, I'm sorry, this is taking so long. I'm like, it's all right. I don't have to be here anywhere till 710. I'm going to see a movie. And she's like, oh, what movie are you seeing? And I was like, Teen Titans Go. And then like, you know that because like there are two people. There are the people who are just like, oh, he's seeing a cartoon. That's weird. And then there are the people. Right. Then there are the people who are like. You mean you're seeing the thing that ruined my childhood? You're seeing the thing that ruined my favorite show of all time? Yeah. So, so she was one of those. and But she was also very polite. So she wasn't like, oh, don't, that movie's going to suck. How dare you? And so, but she did kind of give that vibe of like, well, it's not my thing. And I was like, I, I hate the fact that this is probably going to run late because I would love to just come back after the movie was over and tell you that you're wrong. And when exactly. We got, and when we got out of the movie, mall closed at nine. We got out at eight fifty. I fucking bol- and you. I bolted <laughs> for the hot topic. Ran inside, pointed a finger like a lawyer. Just went. It was good. <laughs> God bless you, Scott Fordmore. And the the only problem was then she was like, oh, did it redeem the show? And I was like, no, I mean, it was just kind of like the show, but better. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just like the old one better. At which point, since I knew she wasn't going to see it, I openly spoiled the after credits scene. Oh, did she cry? She was just like, because I told her about it and she was like, 
oh well that's like she was still being a hipster she was like oh that's that that's a very good nod to the old that like the old show and i'm like no they said no like we literally they said we found a way back and then that was the moment i think she just dropped and was like the whole movie is redeemed Mm -hmm. well that shouldn't be the saving grace but i'll take it it, was a good moment it was it was like any after credit scene it gives you those squeeze it was not the best moment of this film there were numerous good moments in this film and I don't even know where to start. Oh, I still this. love the people online. Like, because when Mamma Mia 2 came out, and I'm sorry, we're not going to do a Mamma Mia episode, but the people who put, like, it got, like, a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and everyone being like, you see? You see how good it is? I like the people who did that, but with the Teen Titans Go Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly. <laughs> like, apologize. And you know what? There are so many, like, I guess, closeted Teen Titans Go fans that I didn't even know existed, right. like, on my Facebook that are sharing that, saying apologize, and I'm like, where have you guys been while I'm sitting here, like, laughing at the show for however long it's been on? Exactly. Um, God, they were just, can I, okay, I want to apologize. <laughs> I need to publicly apologize, because I'm going to see this movie again to make up for the fact, A, because I want to see it again, but also to make up for the fact that I took two pee breaks during the film and i feel so bad about them you know you do you you don't brenna no 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 here's why i know the second one i don't feel as bad about because i was like i'm fine with peeing during like emotional stuff because it won't give that good goofy lion king action that i almost peed during during the first part of the movie Karen was like, why did the animation style change? And then we realized that it was because it was Disney. I <laughs> know, it was so good. I cried during I was like, that's so good. But yeah, uh, my second pee break was definitely during the time where Slade blows up Titan's Tower. And I'm like, this is just going to be some emotional shit. I can pee during that. And then I left and came back. But the... F- I don't... So that one I don't feel sorry for. The... The thing is, you don't take pee breaks, Scotty. Like, any decent moviegoer knows this. No, look here. I had... What had happened was, I got the super hot wings at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I had to quench it with water. And then it all started to come out during Teen Titans Go. And so, I'm not... Then, let me... I'm not sorry for the second pee break. I am sorry for the first pee break, because I left, like, okay, it probably... I think I left, like, right after they did the Robin, the movie, but the Teen Titans version and then when i came i came back and then i just hear the fuck like as i open the door to the theater i hear the voice of michael bolton and then i started bolton running into the theater (laughs) to your seat yeah that's holy shit that song is my life it's life affirming. Like at the at the end where it was playing just the M- Michael Bolton version, I was like dancing in my seat, and my mom looked over at me and she's like, "You're gonna download that and listen to it on the way to work, aren't you?" And I was like, "Yes." I've got when songs come into my life, they stay there permanently on my way to work, on my way back from work, on my fifteen minute break at work, and that is um the series. It's three in a row. It's the it's the uh, upbeat song. It's uh, right. my superhero movie, which just is inspirational to one. me. And then uh, the battle, specifically the battle remix of Go, which is the rap song. 
See, I had a really hard time deciding which one I wanted to download, and I went with the beginning one. No, dude. Like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo type situation, but I, I do think that I chose per- poorly. I do love that you get all three. They're just like, I, I added all three to my Spotify. I was like, I'm just, whichever wet mood I'm feeling. But my favorite thing about this movie is the fact that essentially the plot of the movie is don't try to be something you're not be who you are and the way they display that for us moviegoers is the fact that they fucking win by just doing what they did at the beginning just better yeah yeah it was it's inspiring it was inspired let me put it this way because like that moment at the end where firstly raven during that final battle holy shit i was like this is the most badass character in all of media i don't care like john mcclain take a fucking step because <laughs> raven in that scene is the best but right after that where they all are together and like cyborg is strapped to beast boy who is turned into a fucking dragon and then they yes. do the like the beam battle from Dragon Ball Z, and the way they win is Beast Boy shoots a fireball. Oh, they're such a good team. It was so good, Brenna. It also what I love about it is just all the things they did that I'm like, you're not allowed to do that in a you're kids movie. Well, Dude, no, not a, well. When- <laughs> No, yeah. when they took Martha Wayne and put the pearls around her neck and pushed her <laughs> in, into the alleyway, I just was like, hold up a second. Did they really just do that? Well, my favorite was, okay, the whole time travel segment was awesome. Like them playing the time crystals and making this sick dubstep beat. That was great. I also downloaded that song. Is that on Spotify? <laughs> I don't know, but it's on iTunes, my brother. Oh my god, yes. I'm actually uh, just going to put the podcast on hold while I look for this on Spotify. But no, my favorite moment of the time travel segment was, oh, obviously the Martha Wayne part at the end. Because once they were like, we have to re-give them their horrifying thing, I was like, wait a minute, does this mean they're about to shove fucking Bruce Wayne's parents into that alley to get shot? And then they did it. Not just that, but they they gave her a reason to be shot. The pearls, yeah. That yes. was really, really good. But my favorite was still the beginning when they were, like, getting all the time pods and the legitimate music from Back to the Future started playing. Yes. Because at first I was like, oh, they got some music that sounds like Back to the Future. Oh, fuck, no, it's not. It's Back to the Future. Uh I'm also traumatized by how they, like, straight up killed Aquaman as a baby. Oh, (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) That was great. uh, Also, my favorite thing about recording this with headphones on, Brenna, is the fact that I've just been jamming. I'm jamming to that Crystal song right now while we're just doing the show. Uh, I'm so jealous. uh, I uh, I wouldn't uh, be able to pay attention. Huh? What was that? I didn't hear what you were exactly. saying. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Um. Also, another thing this movie did that uh, shouldn't have been able to do. Stan fucking Lee. Yeah, what the heck? No, I was genuinely like, 
oh, that they got a really good voice actor to do Stan no. Lee's voice. And then I forced myself to sit through the credits and figure out who voiced Stan Lee. And then it just said Stan Lee himself. And I just started crying. I mean, I would have said yes. It's Teen Titans Go. Uh, he, he was yeah. probably like, oh, nobody takes them seriously. I'll do it. I'll do your movie. It's all right. I'm Stan Lee. Exactly. Um, did you... I don't know if they played this at every theater. Did you get the weird little short for DC Superhero Girls? I did. I love the Superhero Girls, but I was sad because Harley wasn't in it. But what are you going to do? Is she going to be it? No, like, I. this is a specific note, is that I'm hyped for this show because it's going to be like Teen Titans Go with My Little Pony. Dude, it, well, it's already a thing. Like, well, I think it's movies. I don't know if... It's no, no, no! A show it's, yet or not. it's an upcoming show because I googled. Oh, okay. But yeah, Lauren Faust is doing it. Yeah, I know. So. That's why I brought in My Little Pony, and I was like, yeah. "This is so fucking cute, and I love it." No, it's gonna be great. Also, can we just discuss another? Uh, like, I think this is just gonna be us bringing up things that they shouldn't have been able to do, but did anyways, <laughs> including beating the ever-loving shit out of Shia LaBeouf. Oh my god. Well, also, in what universe does Shia LaBeouf look like that? I don't <laughs> like, he know. Never looked like that. I just and, thought it was like a bad art choice, and then like because I thought it was him voicing it, but it's not. No, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> I, I was did. just like, "That's Shia LaBeouf." I thought it was going to be like Channing Tatum or something. But yeah, exactly. Not Shia LaBeouf. But it's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that was so good, man! Like the whole movie. I want to see it again already, B. I don't know when or how, but I want to see it again. I know. I'm ready for it to be out on DVD because you know it's going to have like a really bitchin' like exclusive Target cover or something that we're going to have oh, to buy. Yeah. But... Um, also, a character who, God bless him for making him a standout, Slade. Oh my god. Do you want to know, it took me... Way too long to correlate Slade Wilson and Jade Wilson, even though they literally rhyme and have the same last name. But I was finally like, oh, they're the same person. No, no, I, mm. I, I'm sorry, V. I'm going to have to put you down the well on this one because I got it immediately. But no, for I me, know. For me, I thought they were going to pull a. Um, there's some movie that came out recently where it was a brother and sister thing, and I thought Jade was oh. going to be Slade's sister, but I the Teen Titans were like, "No, fuck you! It's just Slade in a mask. He already has on a mask, but he has another mask." Yeah, I thought it was going to be like Jade was like a lady Deathstroke, and I was excited about that, but then it turned out. That it was just Will Arnett in a mask in yeah. a mask. <laughs> I also love that uh, they couldn't, since Deathstroke is too much, like the word death is too much for a kid's movie. They're just like, what do we call him but, instead? Slade! But listen, ha no, how does that make any sense when they're like, hey, you're Deadpool, look in the camera and say something inappropriate. Like, oh, yeah. that's, it's the same thing. Dead, death, same. And of course, uh, in a movie where the Final line spoken by any character is, uh, hey, kids, ask your parents, ask your parents where babies come from, bye! Literally, there were two children in front of, like, directly in front of me, and I heard their mom suck in a breath. 
And I don't think either one of them noticed, but I was just like, what what kind of conversations is this going to lead to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's just the same thing. Like, I had the same thing happen at mine. Um, I'm trying to look on the... Wait, what? I'm what? on the, I'm on the Teen Titans Go wiki and seeing like any time that Slade was in the show. He's been in the show like cameoed a shit ton, but that's yeah. it. No, I mean they don't have too many like actual villain villains. They have their own villains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. God, dude, I love Slade was the best cuz like he played the perfect like like the balance between ominous and also a goofy guy that made it really well. Also, I love that this movie does what I like to do in all of my books and all of my media, which is, Oh, you're having the final battle. Let's throw as much shit onto the screen as we can as possible. <laughs> like, okay, uh, all the superheroes are now evil. Also, Slade has a giant death robot. Beast Boy's a dragon now. This is great. Hey, man, it makes for good cinematics. Yeah, it was fantastic. Meanwhile, what the hell? I'm just now on the Teen Titans Go wiki, and I'm getting more and more mad that I don't watch this show more often. You're missing out, dude, I swear. Because, like, I remember seeing it a lot. What the fuck? Isn't this a uh, an Adventure Time character? King Jellybean? Who? King Jellybean, he was apparently in this. I don't remember that, but I'm sure it happened. (laughs) This is one of the most hated, this is an episode called The Return of Slade. This is one of the most hated episodes uh, uh, by fans of the 2003 series as well as fans of Teen Titans Go. So, everyone... (laughs) This is because of the belief of the episode false advertising the appearance of Slade to bring fans of the original series, as well as having a plot unrelated as Slade. Unrelated to Slade. Oh, Teen Titans go. Oh man, my favorite thing about this show is how much they just don't give a fuck. Like they're they like, really don't. All you nerds online that are complaining we're not about this show, we're gonna turn you into an entire character. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. I can't think of his name right now, but I've got him in my uh, head. Darth Fanboy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I sure. know that is because he's in my uh he's in my fan fiction this week. That's why I, love I knew that. Guy. that. Yeah, it was so good. Like so many of the random things they do, like when they're like, we need to be more edgy, and then just went over the top with like the uh super attractive faces and stuff. God, also, I like- hate those. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. Also, can Robin's I just scary say- butt chin. Oh yeah, the butt chin. Speaking of butts, um, God, they didn't they bring it back? Superman's for the- butt. Superman's <laughs> butt. Yes, baby if- Superman, if- his naked butt. Oh, that's right. Oh fuck, I forget about baby Superman getting it to the crystal song. Yes, he was literally like thrusting, and I'm like, you're like. <laughs> Two months old? Please don't do that. No, when he was doing like the uh, the whoop 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 like hand roll thing as he was dancing, that was my first open guffaw at this movie. Because like the rest of the movie, like I had those quiet like, <laughs> all right, that's good. And then like that happened, and I just leaned back in my chair and cackled like a maniac. I don't remember my first laugh, but I remember my first gasp is when they ran 
over Michael Bolton. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing, and I—I I mean, I don't know why I expected any. I did. I shouldn't expect anything of them. I should just expect what they give me, and that's it. But I expected yeah. for that tiger to come back and like save me them too. in a later act, but he didn't. Or like to pop back up like they do in cartoons, you know? But no, dude was dead. That means that tiger's straight up dead. Yes, roadkill. Like, how is, what this, is this a show for kids? <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Future Scotty here to apologize because what had happened was. We may have lost a lot of Brenna audio, and we don't know how. It's just the program we record through decided just not to keep what Brenna was saying for us to keep. Um, so we had to keep stopping and re-recording, stopping, re-recording, and stuff like that. So there's going to be a lot of not Brenna for the rest of this episode. She did get to do her fan fiction and you'll hear a bit of her reactions during mine and during my uh, the fanfiction I wrote. But otherwise, there's not going to be much Brenna for the rest of this. Also, for some reason, my audio got really wonky during my first fanfiction reading. So I'm going to apologize for that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to just quickly apologize because there's no more Brenna. But you know what there is? Ladies and gentlemen, there's some lovely t-shirts you can get over at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, merch.aloadofpurebs.com is the website where you can go and support fun fiction and support the entire BS network by picking up you some merchandise. I just made, um, I, I saw Teen Titans go for a second time to make up for my uh, horrible pee breakness, and also I made a fun fiction go shirt. So it's got uh, Brenna as Raven and me as Robin. It's this really cool like comic book inspired shirt, and you can get it over at merch. Com. And now I guess we're gonna get into the fan fiction, and this is gonna get weird because I'm going to read the first part of Brenna's fanfiction, and then it's just gonna slowly fade like I'm a werewolf transforming into a Brenna um, through the middle of it. So yeah, Brenna chose this week a fanfiction called Rick Titans Go, and it's very, very good, so let's get into it. Morty kept looking out the back window of Rick's car, screaming. Meanwhile, Rick drove frantically, trying to outrun the large ship chasing him. He looked in the rearview mirror. Shit, Morty! These guys are persistent! Morty yelped as a laser grazed at the door. Rick! What are we gonna do? These guys are gonna kill us! Don't worry, Morty. The Adamatians have weaponry, but they're dumb as shit, dog. Besides, I only borrowed something. What? What did you borrow? Oh, nothing, nothing much. much. Just, just a few... few explosive isotopes capable of leveling a city block. What? Is that what's in the suitcase you put in the trunk? Well, dumb. Uh, Ordy, what else was I going to do with the radioactive materials? Hold it in my uh, lap? Now, just calm down while I think of something. He played around with a few buttons on the console, causing a slot to open. Rick placed his portal gun in the slot before closing it and pressing several more buttons. Hold on, Morty. We're about to give these assholes what they want. He pulled a lever, causing the ship to shoot a portal in front of them. Rick quickly pulled another level as lever as they went into the portal. The trunk opened up, the suitcase of isotopes propelling forward. The automatons flew straight past Rick and Morty before colliding with the suitcase. 
Rick quickly pulled back his ship to avoid the nuclear explosion, laughing. Ha, see, Morty? These assholes don't know left from right. Morty ignored his grandfather, staring at the scene in absolute horror. Rick, what the hell did you do? Morty raised his <laughs> eyebrow. Uh, saved our asses? Man, Morty, you'd think be more appreciative of- No, look! Morty turned Rick's head towards a surprising sight. A sprawling city was bustling ahead. However, off the coast, a smoldering building stood partially destroyed. Rick looked past, looked at his portal coordinates and sighed. Damn it, I put in the rock coordinates. I added too many zeros. Morty was still mortified. What building was that? Where the hell are we? Rick retracted his portal gun from the car and examined it. His eyes suddenly went wide. Hold on, Morty. He steered his ship straight into the ruins of the tower. Upon landing, Rick quickly exited and began scanning the area. Morty followed, getting increasingly worried. Rick, what's going on? Rick put a hand to his chin as he read the scanner readings. Mm, yep, just as I thought. He put his hands on Morty's shoulders. Morty, don't freak out, but we may have just killed the Teen Titans. What? How is that even possible? I landed us in a reality where DC superheroes aren't just comic books. I mean, thank God, am I right? At least the movies in this dimension are probably less terrible. Rick, how do we fix this? I have a way, Morty, but we gotta move fast. I don't feel like having my ass handed to me by a Martian of all things. He quickly scanned the area again and gave the portal gun to Morty. I'm going to rebuild the tower. Meanwhile, I need you to go meet with an old friend of mine. He can make cheap clones like nobody's business. Now go. Morty looked back at Rick before hopping through the portal. Rick looked at the tower ruins and thought. He pulled a canister from his pocket before dumping the contents. The dusty substance immediately began moving. Morty looked through the around the grimy city he appeared in. It was dark and dreary. He looked around in fear, jumping when he felt a sudden tap on his shoulder. The creature before him wore a coat, covering it in shadows. It held out a bony hand towards Morty. The boy shook it, nervously. Uh, are you Rick's clone guy? The creature perked up at the mention of his ally's name. Morty presented the portal gun, gun to him. Uh, here. The creature took it and looked through the recent scans. He nodded and gestured for Morty to follow him. Morty looked around warily as the figure led him through a series of winding alleyways. They walked for what felt like hours before reaching a hulking metal door. The figure led the boy inside. Morty was both awestruck and horrified by the sight in front of him. Rows upon rows of liquid-filled tubes with fully grown creatures inside each one. Morty swore he even saw one blink. Oh, jeez. The figure approached a console and placed Rick's portal gun in a slot. As the scans downloaded, some of the subjects in the pods began to change. The figure continued to input more data before finalizing the creations. Morty stood and watched as the subjects contorted and changed before the pods opened up. As the clones stepped out, the boy felt his heart drop at the sight of them. Morty ran through the portal. Rick, I'm back with the... Whoa. He was surprised to find the tower fully rebuilt. Morty's gaze eventually fell on Rick, who was sleeping on the couch. Rick! Rick! The older man yawned before sitting up. Morty, what's up? How's it uh, hanging? How'd you rebuild this place so fast? Rick pulled out the canister. Nanobots, Morty, these little uh, bastards can rebuild anything. Hell, they could rebuild Adam Sandler's career if they wanted to. How'd the cloning go? Morty suddenly panicked. Well, you see... Before he could utter another word, the clone stepped out of the portal. Morty waited for his grandfather's outburst, but was instead met with a smile. Good job, Morty. Good as new. Morty raised an eyebrow. Good as new? Jesus, Rick, look at them. Their heads are bigger than their bodies. For God's sakes, the green one is like three foot tall. Rick put his hands on Morty's shoulders, trying to calm him down. Morty, Morty, listen. This sort of thing happens all the time. The guy I know makes great uh, clones, but the quality is way low. So there might be some side effects. 
Morty looked at them, worried. What kind of side effects? Rick's cro Rick crossed his arms. Hard to say. The body deformities are obvious. There might be a drastic loss of intelligence. How drastic? Lowbrow humor, probably. There also might be a little bit of a personality shift, but that's about it. Well, our work here is done, Morty. Let's get the hell out of here. The duo made their way to the ship and sped away. Cyborg stared after them, scratching his chin. Who was that old dude and that scrawny kid? Beast Boy shrugged. I don't know, bro, but check this out. He began playing a melody from his armpit farts. Cyborg's eyes lit up. Dude, that is so awesome. Morty put his hands on his chin. I, I don't know, Rick. W won't they lose some of their, I don't know, depth, character development and whatever? Rick rolled his eyes. Just don't uh, think about it, Morty. Just think about all the crazy adventures they're going to have. Fighting monsters, learning lessons, just having a hell of a time. Kids love that shit. The end. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, can I be honest? Yes. For a, a moment, I was getting vibes of the Simpsons intro. Where uh, uh, oh, 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 we killed the Mor we killed the Simpsons, Morty. Yeah. Morty, Mor Morty, we gotta get we gotta fix the Simpsons. And so that's when I was like, oh, they just did that. But then once they admitted, like, yeah, this is why Teen Titans Go happened is because Rick and Morty killed them and then fucked up. Like, exactly. I loved that. I did too. When I saw it, I I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm not looking at any other ones. This is perfection. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, mine for the week is called Darth Fanboy Strikes Back. And I, I like ones where it just feels like something written by someone from the show as opposed to like someone trying too hard. Right. So that that's what I liked about this one. <clears throat> so this is Darth Fanboy Strikes Back by Neverside Fairy. Robin, cried Starfire's tinkling voice as the Tamaranian girl entered the main lounge, where Robin was sat on the sofa playing a video game solo, with Raven seated nearby reading a book, paying no attention to the fighting wizards on screen. Tomorrow is a joyous day, for we are going to the con of comics! Aww. Robin and Raven turned to see that the alien Supergirl was glittering with excitement. Oversized sweat drops appeared on their faces as they struggled to process what she just said. Run that through me again, said Robin. Beast Boy and Cyborg have invited us to the Jump City Comic Con on the morrow. There's to be stalls, entertainment, and people dressed up in the cosplay. Beast Boy had now appeared behind her. Maybe I'll finally get to find DVDs of The Monster from the Swamp of Death or Killer Squirrels from Jupiter. <laughs> I cannot wait to watch them, responded Raven dryly, her attention drawn back to her novel. Robin had returned back to his video game. I'm sure you, Cyborg, and Starfire will have a great time at this Comic-Con, but it's not really my thing. Starfire looked disappointed until Cyborg walked into the sitting area. What if I told you there's going to be an entire stall dedicated to the Stonehenge Avenger games? Robin completed the level on his video game, threw his controller onto the sofa, and sprang to his feet facing Cyborg. Then you can count me in. Raven looked up from her novel. Am I now the only person not interested in this convention? Beast Boy scratched the back of his neck. Well, er, he said with a giggle before catching sight of the title of Raven's novel, Midnight Enchantment by Inya Black. Hey, wait! It said on the website Inya Black's going to be at the Comic-Con signing copies of her latest graphic novel. Do come along, friend Raven, trilled Starfire. We'll be overjoyed to have your presence among us at the Con of Comics. Raven looked up from her book. I'll think about it. 
Starfire took this as a yes and started squealing and turning to, turning backward somersaults in glee. Wait a minute. Robin turned to Cyborg and Beast Boy. If it's a Comic-Con, then why are there going to be video games and a novelist there? I thought they were just for people who like comic books. Cyborg and Beast Boy exchanged glances. Man, he's got a lot to learn, hasn't he, BB? Said Cyborg with a wink, mirrored by his mischievous best friend. And I guess that was like the pre preamble, because now it's Teen Titans, Darth Fanboy Strikes Back. <laughs> a day a day later, a fascinated Robin is walking through a large hall filled with stalls displaying books, comics, artwork, and merchandise for every franchise imaginable. There are big posters hanging from the ceiling advertising the celebrity guests attending the con, and occasionally nestled in amongst the stalls were movie props ideal for photo ops. Starfire, Starfire took pictures of Beast Boy and Cyborg po posing with a dinosaur, pretending to be absolutely terrified, a retro ro robot who Cyborg did a fist bump with, and a secret agent's car wearing sunglasses and posing like cool spies. There were hundreds of other people at the convention, too, more often than not in costume. Some cosplayers were dressed as cartoon characters. Others were dressed as characters from video games. A few were Disney characters, but by far the most popular costume choice was that of superheroes. The Teen Titans certainly didn't look out of place in the crowd. Raven vanished off to Enya Black's book signing while, Ro while Robin found the Stonehenge Avengers table and looked through all the games while Cyborg and Beast Boy were buying smoothies in a nearby cafeteria. They weren't just copies of various... Oh, wait. Yeah, they weren't just various copies, or they weren't copies of various <laughs> versions of the game either. There were novels set in the game's universe, figurines of Merlin and the other characters, posters of the game's version of medieval England with all the magical runes marked out, and apparel bearing the game's logo. Robin was just contemplating whether or not he should purchase one of the games when he was interrupted by Starfire. Robin, why is it called a con of comics? I think it's an abbreviation of convention. So it is not a con of the money? Huh. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Starfire picked up a box containing a King Arthur action figure. Then why are the costs of the merchandise cons of the money? Robin caught sight of the price and his face morphed into a horrified expression. That's a good question, Starfire. Robin and Starfire weren't the only people concerned by the extraordinary prices charged by the stall dealers. In another part of the convention, a familiar individual was fingering the tag on a Warp Trek action figure with his fingerless glove-clad hands. Fifty dollars? He spat. Are they kidding me? He pulled his hand away and dug it into his coat pocket, slowly removing what appeared to be a kind of remote control. Not for much longer. He aimed the remote at the life-size model of Mr. Spook, who was stood near the Warp Trek stall. The pointy-eared falcon raised his gun and fired. There were screams as the beam hit part of the floor, causing a small explosion, thankfully not injuring anyone. Mr. Spook stepped away from the exhibit, holding up his firearm, ready to shoot again at any moment. Congoers backed away from him, utterly afraid. The man in charge of the stall was so frightened he fell right off his chair and scrambled away as fast as his legs could carry him. The perpetrator of the chaos just laughed. That's what you get for overcharging control freak! His brows knitted menacingly. Now to collect the prizes. He took a bag from his other pocket and began scooping as many pieces of Warp Trek merchandise into it as he could carry. It wasn't long before the Titans became aware of the hysteria caused by Control Freak's monsters. Robin, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Cyborg were in the cafe munching on chicken and noodles, or tofu, tofu and noodles in Beast Boy's case, when a group of people ran into the snack bar screaming. What's going on? asked Beast Boy. I thought the celebrity guests were supposed to be in the theater. 
I don't think they're running after someone, said Robin. Rather, they're running from something. No sooner had he said that than a familiar sight stomped its way into the food hall. It was the dinosaur they had photographed earlier, only then it had been a lot less animated. Now the 15-foot-tall beast was letting out a throaty roar, terrified people scattering in all directions. Some of the people in the cafe, cafe started hiding under tables and chairs. Robin left off his seat and whipped a few batarangs out of his utility belt. The other titans followed suit, ready to take down the menace. Robin flung exploding batarangs onto its plastic hide. Starfire shot at it with her green fire. Cyborg blasted it with his sonic cannon, and Beast Boy turned himself into a T-Rex before pummeling its side. Though the monster fought back, it didn't take the team five minutes to mangle it to pieces, leaving only the metal frame. Can someone please explain how a dinosaur model suddenly came to life and started stampeding through the con? said Cyborg when he noticed that the pre prehistoric reptile wasn't the only menace to terrorize the convention. There was complete mayhem in the dealer's area as the people fled from the now-animated retro ra robot able to shoot lasers and a life-size sword-wheeling sword pirate figure. Were those guys? The other titans gazed on in horror. I've got a pretty good idea, replied Robin. There's only one villain I know who can inab bring inanimate models to life and would do so at Comic-Con. Promptly, he noticed a figure in the crowd approaching him. He was the only person not dashing around madly trying to avoid one of the models. It was an obese 30-something-year-old man with long auburn hair and sideburns, wearing a dark gray coat with broad metal shoulders over a pale tan robe and brown trousers, clutching a deadly-looking remote and leering. It is I, Darth Foundboy, Lord of the Pringles, Captain Couch Potato, the one and only Control Freak. Oh, man, not you again, groaned Beast Boy. What are you after this time? Well, being a geek is kind of expensive. I thought it was about time I got a fair deal on my merch. He held up his bag, which had filled to the brim with goods from Comic-Con, by getting it for free. That's pathetic, even for you, Control Freak, responded Robin. Just drop the bag, and this could all be over instantly. Otherwise, we're going to have to bring you down. He sprang into his enemy's path, followed by the other titans, who readied themselves for battle. Too bad you're no match for my army of monsters, Control Freak sneered. He raised his remote, and behind him gathered a group of animated models, including the robot, pirate, Mr. Spook, a white-bearded wizard, white wizard in long gray robes, an elf boy in a green tunic and hat with decorated shield, and a different robot that was a pepper pot shaped with a sink plunger and whisk for weapons. Behind the titans, even more models encroached on them until they were surrounded on all sides. Face it, guys. You're toast. Robin smirked. Too bad you're outnumbered. Control freaks suddenly became aware that not all the crowd were backing away from their monsters. In fact, some of them, especially the ones dressed as superheroes or similar characters, were getting into poses that almost looked like they were preparing themselves to fight. Control freak gulped loudly, but he wasn't prepared to surrender. You still don't control ch stand a chance against my remote control of doom. I can create a limit limitless amount of monsters. Once you've defeated these guys, I'll make more. Why even bother trying? Without warning, a member of the crowd tossed a boomerang-shaped weapon in Control Freak's direction and knocked the remote clean out of his hand, flying onto the floor amongst the other con-goers' feet. Control Freak froze in shock. Oh, shoot. He dived in the direction of the remote, dropping his bag, and was practically flattened by a dozen costumed youth who pounced in the same direction. Control Freak tried to wrestle his way to the remote, which he could just see about on the floor, but just as his arm was halfway to meeting it, a gloved hand snatched it up. His heart sank as he, as he had saw who had taken it. 
not one of the Titans, but the next worst thing. A boy of about ten wearing a Batman costume. No, don't touch that! He shrieked, but the lad paid no attention. He pointed the remote at a nearby stall, upon which there were some silver-handled red and blue laser swords, and zapped one of them. He picked it up, admiring his new weapon. The sword was now glowing electric blue, suggesting it had gone through a deadly transformation. The boy turned around and with a mighty battle cry charged at the retro robot. With one swipe of the saber, he chopped off its head. The machine hadn't moved since Control Freak had dropped the remote, but still the young man looked pretty pleased with himself. Control Freak managed to fight his way out of the tangle of arms and legs and scrambled toward the the lad, yelling, Give that back! The boy aimed the remote at another table, which contained figurines from a fantasy-themed tabletop game. The little figures leaped off the stall, and the next thing Control Freak knew, he was screaming and desperately swatting away an army of miniature dragons ridden by tiny wizards. Meanwhile, the Titans stood back watching the show. Control Freak was right. We don't need to bother trying to defeat him, said Robin Riley, his arms folded. Yeah, that kid's doing all the work for us, responded Cyborg, who had slunk back to the cafe and was putting his feet up, slurping up the rest of his noodles. Meanwhile, Beast Boy was investigating the contents of Control Freak's abandoned bag. Rare first edition Warp Trek figures? Man, you're going to be in so much trouble when security gets here. He also found something even more satisfying. Dude! You never told me you like pretty, pretty Pegasus. Sure enough, there were several collectible pony toys collected within the bag. Beast Boy chuckled mischievously. Leave me alone, snapped Control Freak, crouching on the floor in an attempt to duck the attacks of the mini dragons. Friend Beast Boy, inquired Starfire, do you know why is it that the merchandise has the cost of the earth? Is it made of materials that are hard to find? It's a bit more complicated than that, Starfire. The security team turned up at that very moment to find Control Freak had now been reduced to a cowering mess, flopped on his front, his arms clapped protectively over his head, trying to shield himself from the baby flames that the little dragon army kept firing at him. One of the officers confiscated the remote from the rather disappointed youth dressed as Batman, who had started using it to bring all sorts of action figures to life, which promptly dropped dead after it had been taken. They escorted the rather singed, battered, and undoubtedly humiliated control freak in the direction of the office, along with the bag containing the evidence of what he attempted to steal from the con. This isn't the last you've seen of me, shouted the geek as he was frog-marched away. I'll be back. Just you wait. Quiet, barked a guard. You've already caused enough trouble. Control freak leaned over the shoulders of the guards and bellowed. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. The officers yanked him back on course and continued to drag him away from the Titans. Control Freak didn't resist, a look of complete and utter defeat upon his face. Once he was out of sight, the Titans caught a sight of a familiar face in the crowd. I hope I didn't miss anything, said Raven, gliding towards them, a newly signed Inya Black novel in her arms. She stepped over the body of the collapsed pirate mannequin, which was strewn across the floor, along with the other models Control Freak and the boy dressed in Batman had animated, not to mention other debris. The cleanup team was going to have a job and a half on their hands once the con was over. Cyborg raised an eyebrow. Oh, Raven? Didn't you notice the crazy dinosaur stomping through the con? said Beast Boy. Or the robot who could shoot lasers or that everyone was going berserk? In case you're wondering replied Raven. I've spent the last 20 minutes using my powers to rescue people from Control Freak's monsters. What have you guys been doing? Well, we are... 
began Robin. We took down the dinosaur and uh, defeated the control freak, finished Starfire. Hopefully Raven didn't notice she had her fingers crossed behind her back during the second part of her sentence, a gesture Beast Boy had taught her. Is that so? said Raven. Wow, guys, said a young man dressed as a wizard approaching the group. Your costumes are perfect. How'd you make them? What? said Robin. You look just like the Teen Titans, said a girl dressed as the Queen of Hearts. Well, uh, I wish my costume was that good, said the boy dressed as Batman, who had saved their bacon earlier. Your costume's real neat, too, answered Beast Boy. You look like a real superhero. Robin put two fingers to his chin. While we're on the subject of superheroes, I bet the staff would appreciate it if a group of heroes helped clean up this mess. With that, a major cleanup operation went underway. All throughout the building, young people in costumes started picking up merchandise, setting tables back up, and scraping off food littered across the tar- carpet. The Teen Titans' powers really came in handy, though they couldn't help but wonder if any of the other con-goers had twigged that something was up. That evening, the Titans walked down the street back to their tower, each carrying a little souvenir from the con. Raven had her signed book. Beast Boy and Cyborg had found a few video games they had wanted. Robin had bought a very tiny Merlin figurine, the cheapest piece of merchandise on the stall, and Starfire was carrying a plush of an adorable yellow monster with a lightning-shaped tail. Oh boy, we had some one sweet time at that con, said Beast Boy. I can't say the same for Control Freak, responded Cyborg. He's going to be shipped off to Jump City Penitentiary once the police get a hold of him. I almost feel bad for the dude sometime. I mean, he'd be kind of fun if he wasn't a bad guy. He likes the same sort of stuff as us. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if we could play video games and chat about horror films together? Rather you than me, BB. Hey, do you guys want to go to Jump City Comic Con next year? Beast Boy asked the others. Sure thing, replied Robin. I wasn't expecting it to be so much fun. Then it is confirmed, said Starfire. Going to the con of comics is going to become an annual tradition of the Teen Titans. Maybe next time I should go in costume, suggested Beast Boy. Now there's an idea, said Cyborg. With your shape-shifting skills, you'll wipe the floor with the other cosplayers. Beast Boy looked sheepish. Actually, I was thinking of, like, wearing an outfit. You know, like Mikey the Ninja Turtle? Maybe I should go in costume, too, said Starfire chirpily. The cosplay looks like so much fun. I could be the princess of the bubblegum, or the summer of the huggle monster. What on earth is she going on about, thought Robin. It looked as though he would have to wait until next year to find out. The end. Hey everybody, it's future Scotty back with a lot better audio, and it's gonna be good from here on out, and I'm just proud of you guys for making it through that garbage audio, I apologize. But, right now, I'd like to talk to you about something that's not garbage, and that's all of our lovely patrons over at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. One day! Two friends were walking through the radioactive zoo known as Chernobyl Animal Farms, located deep in the heart of Birmingham, Alabama. They, they look at each other with smiles as they pass by exhibits featuring two-headed goats and three-eyed fish. They buy novelty foodstuffs sh- such as the patreon.com slash a load of BS. And now it's time to get into my fanfiction. And like I told Brenna before I we lost all the audio, 
I felt very inspired by Robin in this film. I felt very inspired by this concept of this guy who just wanted his own superhero movie. He wanted it. I listen I listened to my superhero movie on the daily. I, I think I know all of the words. So in that, I decided to make my own superhero movie. So it's not Teen Titans fan fiction. It's not uh, Batman Robin fan fiction. No, this is fun fiction fan fiction. Let's get into it. One day, two friends were walking through the radioactive zoo known as Chernobyl Animal Farms, located deep in the heart of Birmingham, (laughs) Alabama. They, they look at each other with smiles as they pass by exhibits featuring two-headed goats and three-eyed fish. They buy novelty foodstuffs sh- such as the Corn Wolf, a massive two-foot-long corn dog inspired by their wolf exhibit. They look at each other with smiles as they finally get time to hang out, outside of recording their podcast, of course. Where do you want to go next? Scotty asks Brenna with a <laughs> smile as she finishes her second Corn Wolf of the day. She wipes away a few crumbs as she mumbles while chewing, pointing to a sign that says, Cutesville, population view. And with that, our our two heroes rush into Cutesville, an area of the zoo dedicated to cute animals of all kind. Puppies, kittens, and even a section dedicated to the most adorable animal on the planet, the quokka. Brenna quickly runs up to the pen and stares down at the radioactive animal with a smile growing on her face, a smile which is in fact returned by the quokka itself. You all right, B? Scotty asks nervously as Brenna's gaze seems to be locked on the quokka's eyes. She slowly lifts herself up over the protective rail, hypnotized, as Scotty attempts to pry her away, but to no avail. She falls and finds herself face to face with the quokka. She holds out both hands for a loving hug when suddenly the small marsupial unleashes a rabid bite towards her arm. She screams in pain when suddenly a guard pulls her out, quickly lifting her out of the cage. Guards now surround both Scotty and Brenna as the bite mark begins to burn on her arm, her veins seeming to burn with pain as everything goes foggy. For Scotty, unfortunately, things were crystal clear. They were in some deep (laughs) shit. The guards attempt to escort them away when suddenly Brenna's eyes begin to grow wide wider and wider larger than any humans ever could her cheeks raise up in an adorable fashion and suddenly each of the guards grow hypnotized ma'am ma'am you're gonna have to uh uh ma'am yeah uh uh the guards are now perplexed with brenna's adorableness as scotty looks over to the quokka then back at brenna then back at the quokka as it scurries away into its cave wait brenna how are you doing that Scotty asks as Brenna slowly blinks out of that weird form, leaving the guards perplexed and hypnotized. You just went full hypnotist on him. It's like you got some sort of... Scotty's mind suddenly makes several connections at once as he smiles a wide smile before rushing off into the zoo. Brenna attempts to follow, but the guards quickly break out of her spell, forcing her to use her quokka powers again to distract them from Scotty's antics. Moments later, Scotty returns with electrified hands, toughened skin, bulging with muscles, and two massive black wings sprouting from his back. Jesus Christ. What the hell did you do? Brenna asks nervously. I got bit. (laughs) Like. A lot. (laughs) Like a lot. By what? Look, I'm gonna be honest with you, B. I didn't keep track after a while. I think the electric thing, that's an eel. 
the wings are from some kind of bird. <laughs> I have no idea where the muscles came from. He looks at Brenna, who sighs. Awesome. <laughs> Weeks later, and Brenna has Brenna has found herself sheltered in her home, terrified to go out and use her powers. I mean, she's no hero. She didn't a- get asked to get bit by a quokka. It just called to her. It didn't mean she had to go out and become some sort of superhero. Scotty, on the other hand, was more than willing to use his powers. Taking the name of Red Lightning, he roamed Birmingham, saving others from crime and evildoers. Red Lightning? Brenna asks as Scotty flies to her house to catch up on some shows. You couldn't think of anything better? Well, I was going to do Black Lightning, but I think that's taken. Scotty replies with a smirk. Besides, I don't know if I'm like... I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. (laughs) To do what? Have... You know, like, have Black in my superhero name? You know, it just feels weird. Like, like, come on, name one superhero with Black in his name that's white. Black Bolt, Black Canary, Black Adam, Black Widow, Clint Black. Before Brenna can continue, however, a breaking news story appears on the screen. The news reporter tells a tale of a break-in at the Chernobyl Animal Farms. Scotty quickly rushes into his costume and bolts for the door. You know, I could really use you out there, he comments to Brenna with a sigh. What good would I do? Just Care Bear stare at something until it stops being evil? She responds sadly as Scotty stares down. Yeah, you might want to do more research on that. He comments as he flies off. Brenna sighs and turns back to the TV before opening her phone and going to Google. (laughs) Entering the word. Going to Google. That's a new Google. Entering the word Quokka. Meanwhile, Scotty flies down to a horrifying site at Chernobyl Farms, with several cages having been ripped open, animals screaming in terror as broken locks fly to the ground. Scotty follows the devastation to its source. A horrifying figure figure with bones sticking out of its body, forming sharp blades. It laughs wickedly as it turns towards Scotty, howling as it bounds towards him. Scotty attempts to best the creature in combat, but is soon bested, tossed to the ground, a trail of blood pouring out of his mouth. He was no match for this creature, who had several cages being loaded up in a car behind him. Scotty attempts to give chase, but is too weak. What you think you're doing there, son? A voice calls from behind him. Scotty turns nervously to see several members of the Birmingham PD surrounding him with guns. Add a few drinks in you and decided to break in and let all the animals loose? Have your own little Madagascar party? You like to move it, move it! Another officer pipes <laughs> up from behind. No, the one, re- the one reference was enough, James. Don't milk it. The cop responds when suddenly a figure appears between them and rushes towards Scotty's side. It's Brenna. Uh, don't! He didn't do this, I promise you! She cries as the cops continue to train their weapons on them. Yeah, well, what makes you so sure? The cop slowly places his weapon by his side, raising an eyebrow. I... I... Brenna looks down with a sigh, then looks up with those same bright white eyes as the Quakas. It's almost like a beam of adorableness shoots out of her face, calling all, causing all of the cops to... Duh! In unison. Oh, Lord. Once the hip... Once the hypnosis is complete, she quickly turns to Scotty. Get us out of here. And with that, Scotty grabs her and shoots into the sky before flying them off to Brenna's house, which was remote enough that no one could find them. Are you okay? Brenna asks as Scotty bleeds on her carpet. Okay, look, I know you're hurt. Don't bleed on the carpet. Come on. Hey, Scotty! Garen calls from the kitchen as he makes dinner. (laughs) I like your wings! Hey, man. 
Got any whiskey in there? Scotty asks as Brenna bandages his wounds. Is wine okay? Sure. Days go by of the duo hiding out in Brenna's home with things getting worse and worse on the news. The creature dubbed the Wolf by the media, named after the Wolf Frog, which was known for breaking its bones to use as weapons, had continued a path of mayhem through several industrial buildings, stealing components before flying them away to an unknown compound. Brenna, we can stop him. I can find him, Scotty comments sadly as another news report goes by. How? She replies as he stares into the TV. If the cops can't find him, how can you? I got his scent. During the battle, I got his scent, so all I have to do is... Uh, sniff, I guess? He responds as Brenna raises an eyebrow. You... Smelled him? Like, during the battle, you just sniffed a random guy? She responds. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I just, I inhaled and I got a whiff of dude stink. Excellent. So how exactly do we take him down? Well, you just quack all over him while I rescue the animals. I mean, the animals seem like the key to his plan, so why not? Scotty responds. How do we even know this will work on him? He's a massive beast, not some cop or guard. He could kill me. Okay, fine. I rescue the animals, then come kick his ass. How's that sound? It shouldn't take more than two minutes to find the animals and rescue them. I don't like this idea, Brenna responds quietly. I really don't like this idea, Brenna comments again as Scotty sniffs the ground around a junkyard. Brennan picks up a metal bean ner- beam nervously for protection. <laughs> metal bean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? I, I let me up the font. I didn't read that properly. It's a metal bean. It's a tiny bean in your hand. I, I love beans. We're not far. <laughs> yeah, we're not far. Scotty comments as they rush towards a giant metal shed with the sounds of machinery ominously whirring within. It's got to be somewhere. You don't happen to think it could be the giant metal shed with the machines ominously whirring in it, do you? Brenna comments sarcastically as they both walk forward. Okay, you go in first, and I'll follow. Scotty comments as he pounces onto the side of the shed before climbing up to get a better look. Excellent. The electrified, winged beast man with the big muscles is sending in the girl with the My Little Pony powers. Brenna sighs as she slowly enters to the sounds of laughter as the wolf stares at his creation, a terrifying device filled with green goo, which seems to be connected to several pods with terrified humans within, slamming their fists on the glass, begging to get out. Brenna gulps as she yelps out, Stop right there! Hmm? The wolf turns towards the young girl with a wicked smile, fur wrapped around his neck. He slowly approaches her, retracting his bones as as she shakes in fear. And what exactly will happen if I don't? This, she replies as she looks down, then looks up with the most adorable face she can muster. Her bright eyes seem to shine across the entire room and even cause a smile to grow across the face of the wolf. Oh, that's, that's adorable. That's the kind of look that would melt my heart. If I had one. Unfortunately for you, I don't have one. And with that, he sends a paw careening into her face, sending her flying to the ground. You see, you're too late to do anything anyways. My plan's already complete. Just one pull of this lever and I'll have my own legion of beasts to take over this city. The intelligence of man combined with the strength of nature will be unstoppable. 
the next step in evolution. Brenna crawls towards a pile of wreckage as the wolf maniacally laughs, pulling a lever that causes that green goo to begin oozing through pipes through the various pods where it instantly vaporizes, causing the humans within to become sickly and begin to transform into horrifying beasts. Well, looks like we've got the first test of our plan right here, boys. The wolf smiles as he pulls another lever, which opens the pods and sends six of those beasts careening towards Brenna, mouths agape and filled with rows of sharpened fangs. Brenna props herself up on a metal pole as she stares at her doom coming towards her. You know, unfortunately for you, I did my research and turns out the Quaka, he's not really all cutesy smiles. She coughs up a bit of blood as she picks the pole up. They will bite and maim anyone who comes too close. The mothers will give up their young to be bait in order to survive. The quakas are survivors. They will lure you in with a smile and then cut your throat. And with a fierce yell, Brenna rushes forward with her metal pole and begins to take on the six beasts in epic fashion. Meanwhile, Scotty has managed to crawl along the wall towards the animal cages, each hooked up to horrifying IVs that seem to be draining their blood away and forming it all into that green ooze. Scotty quickly overrides the locks, unhooks the IVs, and allows the animals to escape. Lions, tigers, all of the most ferocious animals in the animal kingdom were selected by the wolf. Scotty smiles at them as they all come out of their cages, responding with nods of respect and gratitude. He is then subsequently mauled by all of them, each sinking their teeth into his toughened skin, which suddenly begins to glow a bright red. Meanwhile, Brenna has managed to make mincemeat of the six beasts, handily defeating them with her metallic bow. But suddenly she hears the sound of glass breaking and turns to see a horrifying sight. The wolf had broken the glass container which contained the essence of those radioactive animals and began to bathe in it, causing his body to glow a bright green as it morphs and changes, sprouting numerous appendages. He smiles as he growls and begins to crawl towards Brenna, who holds out her bow threateningly. Do you think that toothpick is going to do, do anything to, to me? He growls as she steps back before attempting to charm him with a quaka face before immediately getting smacked to the ground again. You've got nothing against me. I am the apex predator. I am the wolf. Before he can get any closer to Brenna, however, the sounds of groaning metal come from the raptors above when suddenly they give way and a massive creature falls from above, several animals scattering as they run out of the shed. It, the beast lands on one knee before standing up slowly and cracking its knuckles. The stripes of a tiger run across his skin as black swings shoot with static electricity across his back. The wolf stares at him in horror as he smirks. Why don't you pick on someone your own size? And with that, the wolf leaps towards Scotty, who immediately suplexes him into the nearby brick wall, causing cracks to shoot up the brickwork. The two seem evenly matched, unfortunately, as they both seem to counter each other's moves. Scotty grabs a nearby hose, electrifying the water and shooting it towards the wolf, bathing him in electrifying fluid, which luckily gives Scotty a quick response respite from the monster's attack but unfortunately as scotty searches for a next step he finds nothing 
suddenly Brenna realizes something. It's something that she should have known all along in the situation. It was obvious. A very important thought that never seemed to run through anyone's heads in these situations. She smiles as she looks up to Scotty. Radioactivity kills people! And with that, Scotty smiles and quickly wrestles the wolf electrified body in front of the tank, which continued to spill out radioactive material onto the ground. Scotty attempts to pin him down, but the wolf quickly reverses and holds Scotty down, letting the radioactive material fill his throat as the wolf chokes the life out of him. Scotty gasps for air when suddenly a loud clang is heard as the wolf suddenly loosens its grip and falls to Scotty's side. The radio radioactive sludge surrounds both Scotty and the wolf as Brenna sits back with her metal bow, nervously trying to drag Scotty away. The wolf's body convulses in horror as more appendages begin to sprout. His body overloads with the radioactivity as the tank empties the rest of its liquid onto him. Eventually, the wolf's entire body seizes and collapses, leaving him dead by his own invention. Unfortunately, he wasn't the only non-responsive body in that building. Scotty! Scotty, wake up! Brenna cries as Scotty's body remains unmoving. She collapses against him, crying as suddenly she feels him begin to fade away. She sits up and stares, terrified as suddenly Scotty's body begins to fade away and disappear, nothing left but the sight of the concrete underneath him. Brenna stares confused for a moment when suddenly Scotty shoots up with a smile appearing out of nowhere. I think that gave me chameleon powers. She then, fr she then firmly smacks him across the face as they exit into the world. Over the next few months, Scotty began to be able to control his powers more, allowing him to transform from one animal into another. And Brenna, Brenna became more comfortable with using her powers for good, admitting once and for all, she was a hero. Because that's what Birmingham needed. A hero. It needed a savior. And lucky for them, they got two. They got Red Lightning and the Quokka. The end. Alright, and that's it for the show, ladies and gentlemen. That was the fan fiction. This has been fun fiction. Me and Brenna got superpowers. It's totally awesome. I just, when I wrote it, I was like, what if there was just an entire zoo of radioactive animals and you could kind of just pick and choose which ones give you superpowers? And, and apparently I chose a lot of them and Brenna accidentally chose a quokka. So yeah, this has been Fun Fiction. Brenna can be found on Twitter at Brennasaur. That's B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. Make sure to follow her. She's a lot better at Twitter than I am. But if you want to follow me, you can find me at Scotty Mo. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And make sure to get all my books on Amazon. The Queasel Corp Trilogy, uh, BS versus the Gods. It's all there if you just look up Scotty Moore, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want to pick up either Queasel Corp or Queasel Corp Risen on Audible, you can. And you can f snag a free... 30-day trial of Audible using our official link. We finally got a free Audible link, and I'm so hyped for it. Uh, it's audibletrial.com slash bsnetwork. So just go to that link, get you a free 30-day trial, and you also can get a free copy of either Quizzle Corp or Quizzle Corp 
Risen. I, you know, I also think BS versus the Gods should be out soon. I had a really bad throat thing, so I had to cease production for a few days on that. But hopefully production's going to ramp back up and that one out should be out soon. So make sure to check that out and check out all the other BS Network programs online at a load of pure BS. Dot com. If you like pro wrestling, there's Fight Boys. If you like theme parks, there's Opposite Attractions. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you like just two idiots talking about random garbage for an hour, check out A Load of BS. And like I've said before, if you want to support us, you can. You can either get you a sweet shirt at merch.aloadofpurebs.com or just, you know, instead of getting that $5 cop- coffee, save that up and donate $5 a month to patreon.com slash a load of BS. And, of course, make sure to check out all of our older episodes. Make sure to send in uh, questions for our net or send in fan fiction for our next uh, episode, which I believe is going to be Harry Potter and the, um, oh, God. Why am I forgetting it? Why am I forgetting the sequel? Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Chumber, chumber secrets. Send in fan fiction if you want, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, I've been Scotty Moore. She has been Brenna Clark for a very limited amount of time. But until next time, stay away from baby Hitler. Oh, oh, hey, Brenna, what's happening? It's, 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 it's a post credit scene. Oh, no. Brenna and Scotty are eating some pizza and having a nice conversation about the latest episode of Fun Fiction. And Scotty gets on to Brenna for all the times that she gave him shit for not pronouncing things right. Brenna devours Brenna devours her tenth garlic roll of the evening as Scotty empties another bottle of Parmesan cheese onto his pizza. But suddenly, however, they find their table greeted by a stranger, clad in a hood. It slowly sits down next to Scotty, who silently wonders why it didn't just pull up a chair. He feels very awkward. When suddenly the figure speaks. I know who you are. I know what you can do. The figure slowly pulls back its hood to reveal the face of a man beyond time. A man, a man who has fought through years of pain and torment. A man who cannot die no matter how hard he tries. The infinite, infinity man. His mustache curls up into a smile as he offers both of them a handshake. I'd like to talk to you about joining my team. Excelsior!